Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed by hosts, invited speakers, and callers do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Black Talk Media Project or the Black Talk Radio Network. With a price tag, you were slave to a flag in a country that clearly doesn't love you when they probably never have. Told you turn the other cheek, and they made it with a bat. Fucking protesting them sit-ins. Told you go fight in the war, Vietnam. You died good riddance. The man of the house rule took you from your siblings. Turned around a pump crack right up in your city, and they turned all your leaders to martyrs. You was off in the war. Now who was guarding your daughters? It was riots in the streets, killed Malcolm and Martin. Called the national guard up because we ride with our guard up, and that was blood in your garden. Second Amendment don't apply to you. Everything that they taught you was a lie to you. See, they scared of your skin and they dying to shoot. Take the American dream and then you die to pursue. One day it'll all make sense. If it ain't about power, then it don't make sense. But none of that money matters when you live in madness. The one day you figure out that all you got is this. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Right on. Peace, love, and the middle finger. Welcome to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from what should be more clear than any other day this week, this year, or any other time is that we live behind enemy lines. America is a battlefield, and there are many casualties, and so it is with sadness that I'm coming on these airways. It was with sadness. It's with anger. I go through the, I'm a human being. I went through the normal range of emotions and hearing about the terrorist attack that killed nine people and injured. We don't know how many more that occurred last night on the oldest black church. One of the oldest black churches, if not the oldest black church in within the borders of this corporate uh, nation that they call the United States of America and there are a lot of questions that people have uh, want to try to keep it constructive want to try to keep it positive I had wrote like some stuff last night and I thought better of publishing it because I didn't want to come out you know anti-blackness and writing on emotion on emotion and so yeah we want to try to keep today's program constructive of uh, because we will be opening up the lines to uh speak about this blatant terrorist attack there are many questions uh why wasn't this terrorist on a terrorist watch list or was he on a list and they ignored it they had no you know sort of like some of that 9-11 type stuff and then for this to go down so close to the date of the murder 
and the lynching of Denmark Vesey, one of the founders of that church. And this church was founded on black resistance to white domination. So there's a lot of symbolism here. A lot of symbolism here. And, and so, but we are scheduled, we have scheduled, um, a guest for today and we will sh- soon be speaking with Miss Gerald, uh, Sanders of On Us Inc. On Us Inc. I get that, you know, it's on us, like, you know, it's on us to protect our communities and not anyone else. Well, Miss Sanders will be coming on to talk about Uniform Reporting Law Enforcement Improvement Act. It's a piece of legislation and the main, um, I guess, uh, point to this legislation is to make policing safer by reducing tension between law enforcement agents in the public. So I have lots of questions, lots of questions pertaining uh this legislation and just other questions, but we will save those for when we have opportunity to speak with Ms. Sanders. Uh but again, you know, my heart, my mind, my focus is really on uh this terrorist, this terrorist attack many questions, many tactical questions that should be asked. Yeah, we could sit here and say that people are doing Monday morning uh, quarterbacking or something like, well, it's Thursday, I mean Friday. Yeah, Thursday. Today's Thursday, yeah. Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon quarterbacking. But this should not have been a surprise to anyone. All the signs was there from the limited information that is available online, assuming that it's all true. But there, there were signs to this ter- that this this uh, person was liable to commit a terrorist act, like he did. So, some of the questions I want to toss out there, if you want to chime in, of course, there's the conference line five three zero eight eight one fourteen hundred access code five four nine zero three two pound. Once you dialed in, just hit star six and one. We will uh, bring you on air. So here, here's a couple of questions I thought about of the day. Again, there is just so much running through my mind. I'm operating on very little sleep right now. Um, yeah. So some of the questions that I thought to write down before the program was what messages may be contained in this terrorist choice of target. Again, you know, do you know the historic uh, significance of this target? What does this target represent? Was it an easy target? Did he choose it just because it was easy? Should And the question pertaining to was, was this person on a terrorist watch list? And if not, should non-white people come together? We, you know, we create different databases, anybody that want to create a database and track these terrorists, a public database where you see people like that on Facebook and you get the screenshots of what they're saying, you, their photographs and things like that, and then you enter them into the database. See, we need a national database. We should do this locally, know who the terrorists are, the police officers. We should, if they have any kind of, we should be tracking these people down social media and gathering intelligence on them and putting them in a database and keep gathering, documenting evidence on them. Because obviously the United States government isn't doing it. 
or if I'm to believe, which I do believe they're engaged in mass surveillance, there's just no logical way that this person should have been missed. And see, I feel like those questions are not going to be asked. Was this person ever reported? Were they even reported to Facebook? You, you see what I'm saying? These people just don't, with technology and how stupid some of them are, everything's right there out in the open and he fits the profile of a white terrorist so should we be creating our own databases showcasing these white terrorists as a need full of terms it's showcasing another question in the area of media entertainment however you want to call it but uh Malcolm X talks a lot about media and the power of media and not to make any kind of excuses for any white terrorist but there are, there's a formula to making a white terrorist there's a formula and so we just looking at the variables that go into the formula of making a white terrorist so what role if any did corporate media play in the programming of this terrorist Sean Hannity, Bill O'Reilly, we go on and on. Rush Limbaugh, these 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 uh, racist suspects, and now uh, you know I think these people are white supremacists. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. I don't care if they got black friends or they donate money to uh, Jesse Lee Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson's foundation. They, they white supremacists. They just know how to use proxies. But did they, did they, you know, these people preach white victimhood. And according to the media reports, one of the survivors of this terrorist attack said that the guy, the terrorist, Dylan Storm Ruff, left them alive so he could, you know, give the public a message. And what did he say? That you're, you're, you're raping all of our women and you're taking our country. So we'll talk about that later. We'll open up the phone lines later to discuss this terrorist attack on this uh, historic black church and everything I just talked about, the questions of the day. Uh, but we do want to welcome on the line, uh, do we believe we have Miss uh, Gerald Sanders? Do we have Yes. Her? All right. Um, I want to apologize for yesterday. They were some kind of mixed up in, in the scheduling, but I see you and Cece got that uh, straightened out. But I want to apologize um, and uh, welcome you on today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. You are welcome. Um, let's address the elephant in the room. Um, I, I'm assuming I have never asked you, but are you? Are, would you classify yourself as a black person, black female, black woman? I am. Yes, I do. All right. So I want to address the elephant in, in the room. And, of course, a terrible terrorist attack occurred yesterday. And, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to share. If you choose, you don't have to. I won't put no pressure on you. But, you know, what what do you make of this? I mean, because the legislation we're getting ready to talk about is all about making the black community safe uh, in regards to policing. Uh, when police are in our community interacting with people. But what what about making our community safe in terms of, you know, these race 
uh, soldiers. Um, do do these police officers play a role in, in, in the protection of, of innocent people that was gunned down last night doing Bible study? I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that um, there are definitely rising tensions. Uh, it is my belief, and I think um, if we had the data, it would support it. Uh, and also having looked at the Ferguson report, that there are a number of African Americans who have been killed over decades, over uh, over hundreds of years, and um, they have not been counted. They people have not been held accountable, and so um, I I read a report recently. Um, it was stated a few years back where DOJ said that KKK and some of the right wing hate groups were infiltrating law enforcement and the FBI. And so what has happened is um, black people have been subject to uh, being killed, and uh, nothing has been done about it. But following the killing of Michael Brown, uh, the, you know, the, the, the events that were just so atrocious, allowing his body to lay in the streets for hours and for people witnessing it and the uprisings that have occurred following that, and then the light has begun to be sh- uh, shown on, uh, you're talking about Eric Garner, you're talking about Tamir Rice. And so all of a sudden, this, this practice that has been going on forever is now being uh, brought into the, the, the spotlight, and black people and white people of good, good, of good uh, continents are saying no more. And so what you have is you have, uh, you, you can hear the rhetoric, you know, we need to take back our country or, mm-hmm. you know, now they're talking about the Ferguson effect. Uh, uh, and so all of this, these are tensions that are, uh, are want, that are, uh, really, uh, designed to try to prevent the change that we consider is imminent because we are determined to bring that change about, I think, as a community in a way that maybe we haven't been in recent years. It, it sounds like that you feel like uh, this uh, person who committed this terrorist act, and I hesitate to even refer to him as a, a person, but yeah, a, a unfeeling monster of some type. I mean, to do what he did, that was just really heinous to go into a place of worship, you know, and, and uh, not just any place of worship, but one that preaches you know what i'm saying brotherhood and and non-violence and things of that nature even though that church wasn't founded like that but i'll get into that later but it seems like you think that there are terrorists in within the ranks of these police departments i mean there is no question that if you think about it if there is a place where you can carry out your racial hate and animus and escape responsibility for your actions that place would be law enforcement. And so uh, we've seen that uh, carried out. I can recall I wrote a book uh, called The Physics of Money, If You've Got My Dollar, I Don't. And I opened this book with uh, the fact, I guess I was a little girl about four or five years old. We were headed to Memphis, Tennessee. And I'll never forget being stopped with my parents on that back uh, dark road uh, at night in uh, by law enforcement agents who literally took my dad to jail, left us out on the highway, and basically stripped the money from him. They didn't care if we couldn't get home. And that, they didn't kill him, but think of all of the people who have been killed over the years. There was a military man uh, 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 who had left the armed forces 
traveling in Missouri. Somehow he ended up being chased and gunned down. That is, ha- has been happening all over the nation, but it wasn't considered newsworthy. It would, it would happen in a community, but, you know, we wouldn't hear, hear about it beyond that. So, mm-hmm. yes, I do believe that law enforcement is the perfect place. The DOJ report confirms that it has become a place of preference for hate groups. And so, actually, the the notice from FBI was to be on the lookout inside of law enforcement agencies for people who who exhibit the predisposition to maybe harm blacks to carry out their racial animus. You know, um, and it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, Earlier, I was speaking on uh, this terrorist who killed these people and they're saying, you know, all the signs that was exi- that he was uh, exhibiting on his Facebook profile. And a lot of them are out in the open with it like that. And so he should have been on somebody's terrorist watch list is what is what I said. And so, you know, was he or, or was he not? And so equally that can apply to these um uh, I heard a lot of reports about police officers once they have been caught on film or on camera or somebody's filed a complaint and they get it and gets caught on caught on film you know uh then only then you know do, do people um start paying attention to it well you bring up a very interesting point and and um I will start uh launching to this by saying that you may recall that uh, right after the Air Garner, uh, Garner uh, uh, verdict uh, decision in New York, um, people began to post comments about police officers with wings and, and things like that. So law enforcement agents were scouring Facebook, identified people who were making even the slightest reference to maybe uh, wanting to see law enforcement mm-hmm. agents harmed, and they were finding them and arresting them. Now, um, you bring up a very good point, which is that people are creatures of habits and patterns. And so, uh, with, as you know, uh, we've introduced national legislation that we absolutely are convinced and we've gotten 100%, I mean, no one, no matter who, who, who we've talked with about this, uh, a certain, especially certain aspects of this legislation, it has been unanimous that this legislation will make a tremendous difference. And what that is, is we would capture the patterns and practices of law enforcement agents because law enforcement agents who abuse African Americans, uh, who kill African Americans, either they had a pattern of misuse, of abuse in the past, or they killed people in the past. But only, uh, there's like 1,300 out of 18,000 law enforcement, local and state law enforcement agencies that even voluntarily report their numbers. So we don't have any idea as a nation really what is happening to people as a result of their encounters with law enforcement agents. So one thing that we are calling for is a national pattern or practice database. Now, you hear about all these investigations that law enforcement, um, that DOJ does whenever there's a police killing, DOJ comes in, it sifts through the law enforcement agency's files, and it begins to identify the patterns and practices pertaining to the manner in which that law enforcement agency interacts with the public. Well, the data bank uh, uh, and 
almost without fail. In fact, I can't recall one time that DOJ has come in and conducted that kind of investigation that DOJ hasn't found that the law enforcement agent was exhibiting really horrific patterns and practices and depriving people of their constitutional rights. So, but the problem is that does nothing to fix all of the people who have either been killed, abused, wrongly convicted, et cetera. I say that's too little, too late. So what we have called for is we've written legislation and it outlines in detail of the creation of a national data bank that every law enforcement agency in the United States must enter incident reporting into and if a law enforcement agent fails to do so, that is a criminal offense. So they are obligated to enter any interaction with the public in that data bank. And that data bank has a lot of features that um, uh, in, in every law enforcement agent in the United States has to be there. If you're a law enforcement agent or a private duty security officer or if you perform any security function, your name has to be in that data bank in order for you to police in the United States. Um, a point, a point of order. Um, the first thing that I want to bring up, though, is you know that there's going to be some resistance to this, right? I mean, just knowing politics, knowing the landscape, knowing uh, the power of the FOP or these uh, fraternal police orders and, and police unions. Um, and don't take anything that I may say as uh, antagonistic or or anything like that. That's that's just not me. That's just me trying to hash things out and point things out so that we can you know fine tune uh, things if we need be. And but I believe that there needs to be um, a, an abolishment of police unions. You know, the right wing, we hear a lot in the area of politics, the right wing talks a lot about, you know, unions, but they're talking about leftist unions and, you know, workers unions and and people like that, those type of unions, teachers unions, we hear that, but they never say anything about police unions. But you know what? Neither do the opposition, the left. They're not really trying to abolish police unions. And, and the police unions have a considerable amount of power. They are the one of the oldest uh, institutions in the United States being created going back to the 1600s. And so, therefore, I feel like that's where a lot of their power lies, a lot of the corruption, what enables the corruption and enables a department to be run like a gang is because of police unions. And I know some people who are down with workers' rights might disagree with me, but I, I say given their function um, that you can't look at them like you might look at a fast food workers' union or, you know, a machinist <laughs> union or something like that. No, these people have too much power, the power of life and death in their hands. So, I mean, what 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 about that concern that, that I have, Ms. Sanders, about police unions? Because do... Okay. It, I'm sorry, go ahead. Police, um, police unions and, uh, you know, AFNI and their other uh, uh, very strong unions that police operate under... But there's also the fraternal order of police, which many people think is a union, but it's not, okay? okay. And, and the fraternal order of police is probably as, uh, as formidable and as 
responsible for the kinds of policies we see that oppress, that give law enforcement agents what we call unbridled power. So the reason that we've enacted uh, federal legislation is the Fraternal Order of Police works primarily on the state level, for example, the 10-day rule, which is that officers uh, involved in, for example, uh, an allegation of abuse, they have 10 days before they can uh, uh, actually talk. Well, we Mm -hmm. attack that in the legislation, okay, because I firmly believe that's a violation of of your right to free speech. But you're absolutely correct. These fraternal orders, and even the name fraternal order, uh, is something about that that says KKK to me. And um, they operate as uh, as an extremely uh, powerful force representing law enforcement. And so what we have to understand is that we can supersede the power that they exhibit. For example, any aspects of what we have in the legislation, it would undo laws that they've enacted, been, that they've uh, helped to get passed on the local level. So whether or not you have a, quote, union or not, you will have orders and organizations that will uh, exist for the sole purpose of ensuring that law enforcement agents can continue to operate with what we call unbridled power. The real, the real solution is that we must be every bit as committed ensuring that we are as determined as they are, and that is where we have failed. We have begun, we believe that we could get legis, we could have legislation enacted, then we could step back and the legislation would do its job. Change is ever present, and so we have to remain vigilant. Every time they do something, we have to be in a position to examine what they're doing, to combat it. And we also also have to be not only defensive, but we have to be proactive, which is exactly why we drafted this legislation. And when we did it, we looked at the fraternal order of police, we looked at the unions, and we figured out what we needed to do to arrest their power and to pass that power back to the people, so that we all can live and not be terrorized. On a daily basis by the people we pay to quote serve and protect us um let's the uh, legislation i'm lo- on the website for those uh who are listening through black talk radio network.com and have access to today's program page there is a link to the website change is on us dot org and i'm on the uh, page know the benefits of u-r-l-e-i-a uh, which is an acronym for this piece of legislation, but it has a section and it's talking about accountability and, and some of the stuff that we just address in terms of police unions and it, it will fall up under some of this, like the 10 day rule you was talking about where he gets this for 10 days or, uh, him and others get to sit around for 10 days before they have to talk to investigators where they can, you know, get their story together. I mean, that just absolutely makes no kind of sense in a system that if it's based on justice, it seems like that is intently to give an officer 
time to get his story together. I can't put it in any more simpler terms to, to falsify a police report like we saw in the killing of Walter Scott because people want to focus just on Michael Slager, uh, the um, uh, former officer, North Charleston officer, uh, who was indicted on murder charges for killing Walter Scott. But people seem to forget that there were other officers, that at least one that witnessed that and filed a false report. You know, and so that person hasn't even been charged, although the so I'm saying there are just so many things when we start talking about accountability. But one thing that's meant that I see in here allows for speedy removal of law enforcement agents deemed unfit. Consider uh, Timothy Lowman. That is the officer they gunned down Tamir Rice. They jumped out of the moving patrol car and, and fired two shots before, you know, uh, before uh, Tamir Rice had a chance to react, but so anyway, this guy worked at, I think it was Independence, it, it was a small town police department, and his supervisors and training officers deemed him unfit, mm-hmm. and then he mm-hmm. was fired. Now, his father out there telling the media the lie, a lie saying that he quit, and he got, you know, bored with small town policing, and he was looking for some action, and that's from his father, a former police officer, so what does that tell you then, if that's what he thinks, that, oh, he just wanted to go to the big city, to Cleveland, and look for some action, you know, read into that, to the, to that, uh, psychology of, of a comment like that, but, but he, Timothy Lowman, based on the information that is said to have been in his records at the former police department, he should have never been hired. Then where's the question? Did Cleveland Police Department in the hiring process review those records? And if not, that's negligent. If they did and hired him anyway, that's criminal negligence. So how about that, you know, in the realm of accountability? Because we have so, it, it's just so many parts to this problem talking about police well what we have in the legislation is called an unfit indicator mm-hmm. and so say for example um, the law enforcement agent that he depart agency that he departed from whether he uh, re- uh, whether he resigned to uh, to to in order to escape being held responsible or whether he was fired in both cases the law enforcement agency that determined that he was unfit would have gone into this data bank, set the unfit indicator, and based upon that, he would have had some right uh, to, you know, to whatever the HR policies, whatever, allowed him to contest that, whatever. But once that indicator is set, if it is set permanently, he can never again work in law enforcement, in the law enforcement agency. And a, the record of a law enforcement agency, this legislation, literally follows that person all around the country. You take Darren Wilson, for example. I contend he's somewhere right now. He's probably built a brand new home with all the money he got. And he's in some nice little, probably hick town, uh, 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 just, uh, you know, a law enforcement agent. So this data bank would prohibit people from moving around who have been found to be unfit. And another aspect of this legislation I think that is keenly important is the aspect that it's sort of a two-part piece of legislation. We developed it in two pieces. And the first part focused more on the pattern or practice data bank, it ca- which captures all of the information about stops, the race, the amount of money uh, that people pay and for fees, what all uh, an infraction costs, a cost a particular person. But the second part 
is has as one of its major tenets, it's called an obligation to preserve life and prevent injury. So when we look at a police encounter where there's a use of force event, we will be looking to see, for example, does the people that a law enforcement agent bring in, are they all battered and bruised up? If so, then guess what? If that's the pattern, then we must assume that there's something that you lack in your policing skills uh, 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 when people have to come in and they're abused. And people will, there will be reports on that with the people who are the victims providing their account of what happened. And then those can be reviewed as well. And if there's a pattern of abuse, then guess what? That's an unfit officer. But also, this is keenly important. There's also an Office of Civilian, uh, uh, um, of Civilian Oversight and Accountability, whereby you, me, any civilian in the United States can attend these regional and national conferences with DOJ and have heavy influence on policing policies in the, in the United States. For example, we may not want law enforcement agents to take people down to the ground and put their knee in the back. Or, to, you know, we, we may want, we, we, we will have a voice in saying the kind, of, the kind of policing we want in the United States. And, that, and, and just back to what you said about these fraternal order of police, many of those practices, training practices, are coming out of those fraternal orders of police of police officers. Um, I do need to take a station identification break. Um, would you uh, mind taking any questions if uh, callers have any for you, Miss Sanders? I'm more than willing. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take a short station identification break listening to Black Talk Radio News broadcasting Monday through Friday at 4 o'clock p.m. right here on Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, stay tuned. We will be back real shortly on the other side with Miss Sanders and we are talking about the Uniform Reporting Law Enforcement Improvement Act. This is Brother Elliot, first of time for an awakening and you're listening to Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo kicks off on July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, Georgia. The Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo was established in 2012 by Rooster Fruits and the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Association for the strong purpose of providing quality culturally based resources, educational training, and support to black African homeschooling, non-homeschooling parents, and educators alike. This work is to assist in the cultivation of excellence and empowerment of our black children. The Expo also provides a thriving outlet and platform for small black independent businesses that specialize in retailing and or creating culturally conscious products and or services for the development of our youth. For more information on the Liberated Minds Black Homeschool and Education Expo that will be occurring during the weekend of July 17th through the 19th in Atlanta, go to Liberated MindsExpo.com. Welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Again, we are speaking with our guest for today about the 
Uniform Reporting Law Enforcement Improvement Act. If you have any questions for Ms. Sanders, you can get those questions in 530-881-1400. The access code is 549-032-POUND. For those already dialed in, just hit star six and the number one. Um, there was, um, there was, uh, something else that came up. Um, you had mentioned, you know, um, citizens having more say by meeting with the Department of Justice and the policing of their communities and the policy. And some people may not want police in their communities at all unless they are coming because we called you, just like a fireman. A fireman don't come out unless there's a fire to put out. Okay, most of these police officers aren't committing murders. I mean, c- preventing murders. They just respond to it. That's just the reality of it. Uh, you know, I have seen no statistics that, that proves to me that, uh, policies like broken windows actually reduce crime and prevent, uh, uh, murders. You know, I, I, I think other factors play, play there. I don't give the credit, uh, to the police, but the primary, um, the primary, I should say, objective, the primary objective of any street police officer or patrol officer, I believe, is to make arrests by or writing tickets. Writing tickets make us fishing for nonviolent so-called drug offenders because that's who fills up most of the prison plantation today. And they are fulfilling a role they have always fulfilled, and that is that of the slave catcher. Um, that's what they come out of. This is history. This is historic. People can look. This has been documented. So I may not want the police in, in my community, or I may not want them enforcing a uh, uh, Nixon era drug policy, fighting continuing the drug war. And there's a lot of pushback against that, including by former law enforcement, like those um, uh, that belong to law enforcement against prohibition, who we were speaking to one of their representatives on yesterday's program. But so I, I'm just skeptical to see if whether or not the federal government would be interested, you know what I'm saying? in really sharing power and giving citizens um uh the the final say over what type of policing happens in their community you you uh let me open i'm sorry i had you muted let me open up your phone line miss sanders okay. you you have any thoughts i do i think that's an interesting uh um interesting notion uh in fact i was out in ferguson one day and uh a fight erupted and uh this this Caucasian lady came over and said, oh, the kids are fighting, call the police. And I'm like, no, that's the last thing we need to do. Right. You know, and and so um, I think that this civilian oversight that I'm talking about, imagine people, all of the hardcore activists from all over the country going to a central location, regional conference, and saying this is the kind of policing we want. And you're absolutely right. The problem, I think, is that Many crimes, really serious crimes in the African-American community, they go unsolved. If you commit a crime out in a predominantly white area, that crime is just about going to be solved. That's what deters serious crimes. And and, and that doesn't happen so much in our community. Many crimes go unsolved because all of the energy is invested in picking people up for this, you know, this stop and frisk and, and all of this. My thank you, whereas if they were engaged in those same policies, 
a stop and frisk in white communities, they would also find drugs and contraband and all of the other things. So it's not that our communities are always so much more crime-ridden. It's that all of the energy is, it's almost like you have a, a, a seed and you're, you're, you're sifting, you're sifting through the black community. Guess what? If you do more sifting there, you're going to find more infractions. That doesn't happen in the white community, and it gives the impression that white America is far less crime-ridden than black America. You know, an activist sent me a Facebook message last night uh, presenting a petition to me that I think he wrote. I, I'm not sure if he believed in the petition strongly. So I read the petition, and it talked about using civil asset uh, forfeiture laws to go after heads of states that facilitate drug trafficking because that, you know, you go to the source. And it, it, it you know, details history and stuff about how everywhere America goes in a war that, you know, drugs always start, you know, being produced in record numbers and making their way to to the United States. And, and so that civil asset forfeiture laws have been used to rob uh, uh, people just riding down the street who have large amounts of cash on them, like $1,000, $2,000, $5,000. You know, so, um, I read one story about it was a, a clerk for a church going to make it a deposit. And, and got pulled over and they found this money and they legally are able to, to keep it. I think Eric Holder, before he left, has sent out a directive or made recommendations that they, uh, stop enfor- enforcing that. And so I told that person, I'm not interested in equality under the law. That's what they call it. We want equal treatment for everybody under the law. Well, I'm like, if the law was unjust, then why should I think that I should support something that's unjust to fix an unjust, you know, injustice? That doesn't, that doesn't make mathematical sense to me. So I'm for the repeal of, of these laws, uh, as opposed to trying to, you know, uh, enforce them against, uh, people in high positions of power that we know is never going to be enforced against. Uh, very good point. Um, one thing that we do capture in this data bank is all civil forfeitures, uh, all car tolls. Be- because I think when you see, you can't even make decisions. You don't even know the status until you have accurate numbers. America operates on numbers except for when it comes to African Americans. And I talk about that in my book. Statistics. Solid statistics paint a true portrait of how things are. So the first thing we have to do is we have to get the numbers. And then again, imagine all of all of the activists in this nation united together in forums to talk about these kinds of issues and to continue to bring forth new and effective policies. That has to be an important part of the process, and that was important to us in legislation. We wanted to uh, create legislation that had a framework, but we also wanted to create legislation that that would evolve as changes and problems are identified. So I completely agree with you that we need to look at all of this. And in this legislation, we also, um, we put an end to stop and frisk. I think it's a violation of your Fourth Amendment right. It is. Um, if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you stop someone, period, without just cause, that is a violation of, that is a seizure. 
And so that violates your Fourth Amendment rights. So we have several things in, in this legislation that uh, actually supersedes uh, existing law in the books. And even if the Supreme Court rules that stop and frisk is legal, we can still, Congress can enact a law that makes it illegal, and that is what we need because too many officers are using their perceptions as a reason to stop African Americans and then they find something or they plant something or then they get into some altercation and guess what? Okay, so then they're dead, that the African American is dead and then there's this whole fabrication, oh, he tried to hurt me, et cetera. I, I do see uh you it is addressed here, provide for unscheduled infield inspections of law enforcement agents in their vehicles to detect throw down weapons and contraband. There was a story featured prominently in the news of a uh, black man in Detroit, auto worker, uh, where uh, that cop had planted drugs on him and had a pattern and practice of planting drugs from another prior department. So, again, you know, this problem, like you indicated, you know, when you first came on, this goes back hundreds of years. So, um wow. Let me see. I wanted to uh, bring up. That's a commercial plan. I was trying to pull up an article, so I don't have the man's name. But I, um, there was an African immigrant killed last night, also as well. Just walking down the street was video. I don't know if he was killed last night. He was killed during the daytime, sometime this week. And so he is just walking down the street. Um, in a, a business district, no doubt. That's why there's video because of the security camera that was mounted on the front of the business. And he's just walking down the street and here comes this white police officer, pulls him over. And, and like you mentioned, no probable cause whatsoever. As far as I have read, there have been no reports that this man had an APB out, uh, all points bulletin. Uh, out on him cause he had, you know, committed a crime and somebody gave his description. No, for no other reason than racial profiling, stopping and frisk, they stopped this African. And so the African was like, you know, telling they, you couldn't hear what they were talking about, but you could see that the African, that this African immigrant got tired of whatever the, the, uh, officer was saying to him. And so he like waved his hand at him, like, you know, get out of here, gesturing something like that and kept walking. And so then he goes out of frame. Next thing you know, this white cop pulls out a gun. And then you see him come back in the frame with a flagpole and, and, and um, attacking this officer. Now, nobody is saying that, that this African man's um, conduct behind, you know, uh, enemy lines where people are looking for a reason to shoot you was correct behavior that we want people emulating. But the point is if the officer had not made the illegal stop to begin with then that the rest of that is a mute point because he would still be alive there would have been no shooting and so the police department of course is justifying uh, that officer's action because the man came at him with a quote unquote deadly weapon this flagpole so it's real and, out here and here's another concern uh, if you don't have verbal or uh, audio on these tapes, really, uh, cameras, they, they really can't do the job. Because if someone says, I'm going to kill you, okay, and that's not captured, but the video is captured of someone then doing something in a protective, if they are actually being protective, they're defensive rather, yeah, defensive. and the officer characterizes it as, 
uh, uh, as attacking, then guess what? You, you, you have one set of events that is characterized to look like another set of events. And this is something we have to understand. Again, uh, I have a friend who's, who's rather uh, interesting. He calls it mutating germs. Uh, what happens is every time we introduce something to prevent this, there are people who, are, who exist to do nothing but find a way to undermine whatever we come up with. The okay? FOP. So we meet, pardon me? The FOP. Oh, absolutely. So we need to understand um, that, first of all, I, I, I like to emphasize to everyone that this legislation is not our legislation. It's our legislation. And the way we are bringing this legislation forward is very different because of just what we've been talking about here today. Um, we have, Our goal is to educate the national community across the nation about the tenets of this legislation so that people can see the value of this legislation. Because I guarantee you they will fight us tooth and nail. And if people are ignorant to its, to its value, they will not get behind it and work for it. We need to make sure that as many people as possible know about this legislation and know about its value. We've done that even before finding a congressional sponsor. That's unheard of, okay? What we've done is we want, when we go to Washington, we do not want this legislation cut. We do not want it diluted. We do not want it neutered. We do not want it uh, uh, uh uh, made less effective than it is, and we believe that the public, once we take it forward, should know what's in it. So we'll, so they will know when their congressional reps are trying to uh, remove important provisions in in response to pressure from the FOP and AFSCME and other unions that represent police officers. So we need to position ourselves for a battle. And if we're up to the battle, we can prevail because there are enough people in this nation, black people and white people, that are saying that this is no way to police. We have a, a caller, area code 253. Go ahead with your question, comment, or observation. Hi, this is Cece. Hi, Sister Cece. Hello. Hi, Miss Gerald. How are you doing? Just fine, thank you. Good. Thank you for coming on the program today. But, you know, I wanted to deviate a little bit because I'm not sure if Scotty got the message, but I actually received an email um, from you all today um, because of the current situation. Um, you all are having a conference call. It says, let's talk tonight. Yes, we are. Um, we want, again, um, uh, we want to afford an opportunity to go through the legislation in detail, to give the public an opportunity to ask questions because, you know, people have said, well, how do you know this will work? Or people really, um, they're not very, um, they don't have a lot of faith in legislation because of things uh, prior legislation has, um, has uh, sort of let them down. 
we want to explain why this legislation is going to work, what in my background lets me know that this legislation is going to work. And we want to ask some tough, we want to, uh, there are a number of questions that we want to present and give people an opportunity tonight, again, to talk about the, what happened in South Carolina in the context of this legislation, because here is the deal. I want everyone in the nation to know this, that the tension, the levels that we're going to see will we will the heat will it will get hotter and hotter and hotter because people have watched us in a state of oppression they've watched our children being killed and they applaud it so when we actually take steps that are meaningful to bring an end to it there are a lot of unhappy campers out there so we want to talk about that tonight like I said detail uh, uh, about legislation which we would probably never be able to do on your show simply because of the depth and the time it would take to be able to answer the extent of the questions that are likely to be presented okay um, okay. let me give out okay, the well, conference call I'm, number I'm sorry I'm sorry did you get it, Scotty? Yes, I'm looking you. at the email now. Thank you. Okay, perfect. I'm going to hang up now. All right. Thank you, Cece. Okay, thank bye. you. Uh, the phone number is 712-775-7031 uh, to access the conference line. Then you enter the meeting ID 682-209-292, followed by the pound key. Um, so again, that phone number once again seven one two seven seven five seven zero three one. The meeting ID is six eight two two zero nine two nine two. I do believe there's also a link that you can uh, use to access the conference call. Is there like a Facebook event page, with, or is this on the website? Where else could they get this information? There's a big black telephone image on our website, and if you click on that image, it's ripped. It slides right across the screen, and click on that. It also has the information for accessing the conference call. And that's changeisonus.org, right? Exactly. www.changeisonus.org. Okay. Uh, we don't have any any questions. Um, is there any final commentary that you would like to leave with the listeners on, you know, uh, everything that we have been talking about, discussing? If there was one, you know, thing that you want them to take away from this past hour, what would that be? What would you think? I mean, what would you emphasize the most with them? Self-determination? Um, That's what it sounds like you're talking about to me is self-determination, taking an active role in determining what is going on in our communities, how our communities are policed, how our communities are protected. So please share share your final thoughts with them. Sure. Um, you know, I always say America does what it wills. You know, uh, I remember when JFK declared we would have a man on the moon and not many years later, guess what? We... Our man was walking on the moon. America does what it wills. America has not resolved its policing problem because it hasn't been important to America. It has been a mechanism by which to maintain control over African Americans. And if anyone goes even to the DOJ uh, site, look into the B-A-U-L-T, it's called the vault, you can see that every step in 
our existence in America, from Medgar Evers to Dr. King, you name it, Malcolm X, there were always phone calls being tapped. Every move we make, it was being tracked so that someone could orchestrate our future. If we want change, change is on us. So there is nothing that is impossible for us to achieve. In our organization, we never entertain. We don't want to hear anyone tell us, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everyone else is doing what they want. We are engaged in a chess game, and people are always moving pieces across the board, and our pieces just sit right there on the board, and we are not moving them. We must be defensive as well as proactive. And so this legislation, the reason we took it upon ourselves to draft this legislation is because we've been listening to CNN commentators and people all over the country espousing what needs to be done, but no one was bringing forth what we felt were true solutions to address the problems. The most investigations of African Americans killed they are lost. The, the whole case is lost within the first 15 to 30 minutes. Law enforcement cannot investigate killings of African Americans and citizens by law enforcement agents. This legislation brings forth a completely independent process. It gives, it takes it out of the hand of law enforcement agents. We now have private prosecutors selected by the family. We had private prosecutors years ago. We're bringing those back with a family, not the guy who's working with the law enforcement agents every day, uh, prosecuting police officers who has no real interest in seeing them go, go to jail. We have a lot that we've incorporated in this legislation, and we have used corporate quality procedures that they use, corporations use every day to make America work. We've infused them in this legislation. We're absolutely confident it will work. But whether or not it's passed, that's up to everyone hearing my voice. And I would ask of you, Mr. Reed, as frequently as you can, mention your Leah, route people to the website. This will be an ongoing national marketing effort, and we need all hands on deck. Certainly, if your organization would like to produce an um, audio ad that we can uh, put in rotation on, in our playlist, um, more than welcome to send it, and it won't cost you a thing. Yeah, cer certainly we do those type of uh, things to help get word out about worthy uh, projects. Uh, one of the things I would like, because you're talking about a specific people activity area that Neely Fuller talks about in his nine areas, and you're talking about politics, and we know all our people aren't into politics, but you're also talking about politics and, and law. And so um, there are a lot of people, a lot of black people who do participate in that. So I hear you when, when you say, you know, we don't want anyone telling us what we can't do. So I, I heard you on, on that. So for two, I, well, I would like you to do is check out the website. I am one of the million, uh, which is. Oh, I am one of the million, oh, by the way. Okay. With Emma and Jim Klingman. All right. Well, we on the same page then, aren't we? <laughs> All yes. right, because I was about to say it sounds like a perfect marriage between, uh, you know, million black conscious voters and contributors and this legislation seemed like they were made for each other. So I'm glad to yes, hear that. Yes, we're one of their planks, by the way. Wow. This legislation is one of, is amongst the planks. 
Okay. Well, I'm certainly going to reach out um, to um, some other people over there because I think it is a worthwhile project for people who do participate in the area of politics. So, Ms. Sanders, thank you for coming on today and informing us about this legislation. We would like to have you on at a future time to give us some updates. I would love to do that. And if I could, just in parking, we have a petition on our uh, website and a very interesting video uh, made with uh, very young children. I encourage everyone to look at the video, but the video is embedded in a petition. Please sign our petition as well. We would appreciate that. Thank you, Ms. Johnson, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much, and you have a blessed day. You have a good evening as well. All right, so uh, we're going to take a break and then when we come back, I want to talk about this terrorist attack that occurred yesterday. Um, I'm certainly interested in hearing from black people on this, your observations, you know, your thoughts. Do want to keep it constructive because I've seen some unconstructive things being said, like people using this as an opportunity to make fun of, you know, the uh, religion that these people practice, Christianity. You know, making fun, that's not, that's not cool. You know what I'm saying? That's not codified. That's actually kind of childish. You know, like Malcolm said, don't, you know, don't be talking junk about somebody cause they don't know what you know or where you are, are at where you are at in an in intellectual journey. So I, I'm like, that's, that's kind of like negative. We should be focusing in on these terrorists and how do we protect our black community through unity whether we be Muslims whether we be Christians whether we be Buddhists whether we be atheists whether we whatever black people are under assault y'all should have seen this we should have seen this coming the government probably did see it coming so you know but we do want to keep it child keep it constructive I know that it is very upsetting thing that has happened Again, hundreds of years of this, and a person should never get used to it, you know. So I understand that people are hurting um, because it is sickening. It is sickening. Put a pit in your stomach. But but what can we learn from this? We have to learn from tragedy. We don't have to, you know, we should not get into unconstructive things and turning on each other. You know, where was Jesus at? Did You know, using the church praying, didn't no angels protect you. You know, just just childish Childish banter, unconstructive. It's not helping anybody solve the problem of preventing or white terrorist attacks. It's just not the time and the place for that. That's very insensitive to come out, you know, asking those kind of questions. I mean, it, I'm not saying it's not a legitimate question. Like some people have said, well, how do you explain to children or why God allowed or Jesus allowed or any uh, um, deity? allowed this so children will ask that question and you got to have an answer for that and i hope it's one based in logic you can be you can be a spiritual person and, and have hold certain spiritual beliefs and still practice logic so uh, you know we shouldn't let this turn into no christian bashing thing you know because to be honest with you if you look at the history of that church um, them, plenty of Christians are the ones that rose up in rebellion against white domination and in, in, in slavery, which falls under people' activity or economics. 
has some elements of, of course labor law but pr practice primarily for the economics the, the economic benefit of white people white supremacists specifically that's what the focus should, should be on in, in many Christians Denmark Vesey one of the founders of that church he planned a rebellion and some proxies snitched him out and him and Gullah Jack and three others they had a secret trial some people say he wasn't even never convicted but they hung him stripped the, the skin from their bodies did this did this did this uh, terrorist Dylan Storm Ruff did he pick that church for that reason because he, he, he didn't live anywhere near that community from what I understand I could be incorrect but I think he lived in a different city and then they found him up here in North Carolina, Kings, uh, not Kings Mountain, Shelby, Shelby. I know people in Shelby. We played them, you know, black, I mean, the high school up there, part of the conference of the local high school around here. Of course, we see each other in, in Gaston County and in places like that. So that's where they found him at. Just yesterday, we was talking to Max Parthis and, and Kevin Alexander. Both of them live in South Carolina, and they was telling you how it is down there with the racist Confederate flag and and all of that kind of uh, you know worship of white supremacy. I mean, that's that's like a religion too. Here, right here, where I am, right across the border from South Carolina, it is just inappropriate to have a monument to confederate soldiers sitting in front of the courthouse and this is a, a relatively new courthouse they moved this statue from the old courthouse and brought it with them to this courthouse now there is a chief a black chief district judge there but there's still this big giant statue that represents injustice that represents slavery that represents white terrorism sitting standing right there these things have to be eliminated from our society but more importantly we can't be waiting on society to protect black people black people must do that for themselves how, how many times in history does the example have to be set for us so we will take your phone calls 530-881-1400 the access code is 549032-POUND hit star 6 and 1 and we will get you on air but we I need to take a break but I will be back look for your calls and give you uh, some more of my thoughts about the questions of the day per pertaining to this terrorist attack in Charleston, South Carolina if you live in Houston, Texas, you are invited to the Sundiata Akoli Shaka Sankofa Community Garden on the first Saturday of the month up until September to learn gardening skills from the head gardener and build together with the community. They are looking for people to come out ready to work and get their hands dirty. You do not have to have any experience in gardening. All food grown from the garden is available to the community. The garden was named after Sundiata Akoli, who is a political prisoner that has been enslaved for more than 40 years, and comrade in struggle, Shaka Sankofa, who was killed June 22nd in 2000. Sundiata, when asked what we can do in support of the political prisoner, said, build a garden we might be able to do for self in the name of self-determination. 
The garden is located at 2428 Sophomore in Houston, Texas. Again, come out on the first of every month starting around 7 o'clock a.m. If you have an event that is free and open to the public and want to announce it on Black Talk Radio, send an email to admin at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Hey, you're listening to the Black Talk Radio Network. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. I ain't talking about 
about nobody. I'm really talking about everybody. And at the end of the day, the only ism I swear allegiance to and my political party is bad niggas. Such a real thing without going to jail. Anything else is only a figment of your imagination. Father John Drugs Beats album dropped on February 14th to make those who appreciate superior doctrine love hip hop again. Salute. Completing his inaugural address. Sometimes these inaugural addresses can be rote affairs, but there was a lot to react to in this one. As Jeff Greenfield, who's on the set with us, noted, he, he tacked to the left in quite a noticeable way in this speech, calling out his desire to take action on opponents. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Raising them tenements, men say they innocent with ill intent. So I pray for immigrants that be pillaging, drinking water from sewers, people pissing in. Synagogue, the men of God, they killing kin. Similar to America and the Indians, the new slave shipping jail cells holding Africans. I'm back again, spitting out my right lung. Die young when you raised in the wrong slum. Kingdoms we came from when we played drums. Fiends come, we serve them as we blaze drums. Hold it. Something like Spongebob, worshiping big chains like sun gods. Kuluhu, Allahu, Ahad, I worship one God. We recognize America for what it is, the fourth right. And we tell America to be on notice because if you don't play Nazis, black folks ain't going to play Jews. Arabian night, spitting from the soul of a slave. Trying to get my life right before I go to the grave. Read the same scriptures Muhammad learned in a cave. Paint a picture of my life and this is how I behave. Just because you drive a truck, don't mean that you pay. Just because you go to church, don't mean that you save. Got a heart of a soldier, throwing grenades. Pop promised me greatness. One of these days, revolutionary. Carry a gauge. I spit on stage because being scared is only a phase. How you 50 years old and you still wearing braids? How my young dudes blowing the haze? How my young queens dying from AIDS? You stuck in the phase. If life is a game, who's drawing the plays? Who leave? Who come? Who goes? Who stays? If you from the slum, your gun gon' blaze. Everybody walk, but nobody prays. No maximum work for minimum wage. I ain't never been the one to talk hard. Not with Khalifa, but Khalifa till out. 23 and 1, making two out in the yard. And I'm knocking out cops, so I'm copping to the charge. The synonym of great, the opposite of Chico DeBarge. Not Jay-Z, I consider Malcolm a star. Is you crazy? Boy, do you know who I am? Man, it's Q-U-A-D-I-R, Q-U-A-D-I-R. Never been impressed by your chains and your cash and your car. You ain't tough by the size of your scar. People that you hang with. Reflect who you are. Never judge a man until you look at his heart. See, I bear witness that Muhammad is the prophet. And you can bear witness to the llama when I cock it. And never call Jay Electronica a loss upon the water to Allah, cause I turn that stage into a holocaust. Hype near cameraman of fall. 20 ox on your roof. Big beard, Santa Claus. It's the ox, man. Ain't nobody God but God. Let God call himself God with their judgment. 4AG, Kadir, yeah, stand up with me, 
Stand up and ride for something you believe in. What he's doing is using an adjective put to describe something that's in incidental about him, one of his inc incidental characteristics. So there's nothing else to it. He's just white. But when you get the white man over here in America and he says he's white, he means something else. You can listen to the sound of his voice when he says he's white. He means he's boss. That's right. That's what white means in this, in this language. You know the expression free, white, and 21. He made that up. He's letting you know all of them mean the same. White means free, boss. He's up there. So that when he says he's white, he has a little different sound in his voice. And I know you know what I'm talking about. He, he uh, and uh, this was what I saw was missing in the Muslim world. If they said they were white, it was incidental. White, black, brown, red, yellow. It doesn't make any difference what color you are. And so this was the religion that I had accepted and had gone there to get a better knowledge of it. And, but, but despite the fact that I saw that Islam was a religion of brotherhood, I also had to face reality. And when I get back into this American society, I'm not in a society that practices brotherhood. I'm in a society that might preach it on Sunday, but they don't practice it in, on no day, on any day. And so since I could see that America itself is a society where there is no brotherhood, and that this society is controlled primarily by racists and segregationists, and it is, uh, who use, and that, the, that the, who are in Washington, D.C., in positions of power, and from Washington, D.C., they exercise the same uh, forms of brutal uh, oppression against dark-skinned people in, in, in South and North, North Vietnam, or in the Congo, or in Cuba, or in any other place on this earth where they're trying to ex exploit and oppress. This is a society whose government doesn't hesitate to inflict the most brutal form of punishment and oppression upon dark-skinned people all over the world. Uh, to wit right now what's going on in, in, uh, near, uh, in and around Saigon and Hanoi, and in the Congo, and in, and in elsewhere. They are violent when their interests are at stake. But that, with all of that violence that they display at the international level, when you and I want just a little bit of freedom, we're supposed to be non-violent. They're violent. They're violent in Korea. They're violent in Germany. They're violent in the South Pacific. They're violent in Cuba. They're violent wherever they go. But when it comes time for you and me to protect ourselves against lynchers, they tell us to be non-violent. Welcome back, Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed in on this mic from behind these enemy lines. Um, again, what are some of the questions that um, I have in um, the wake of this terrorist attack that occurred yesterday? And not just any terrorist attack, but a white terrorist attack uh, by this man by the name of Dylan Storm Ruff. Was he on the terrorist watch list? If he was on there, then how did this happen? Why didn't they pick him up? Why didn't the FBI pay him a visit? If he put those key trigger words that the NSA uses to monitor all our social media posting, and it is evident that he was posting a lot of uh, key words that should have attracted law enforcement's attention. See, they so busy using their technology to lock up nonviolent 
so-called drug offenders who haven't engaged in any harming of anyone. They're so focused on putting black people in slavery, you know. And I'm not trying to make any excuses for them. Perhaps they, they wanted this to occur. But I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories. I know some people already are getting into conspiracy theories. Rex 84 and, and Jay Helm and all of this. And that's not to say conspiracies don't exist and, and there aren't things that the government's doing that we shouldn't be concerned about and preparing for. That's number one. But at the same time, we don't have to always, uh, yell false flag when one of these racist terrorists does what their, you know, follows in the footsteps of one of their ancestors. That happens. It has happened. Yeah, lone wolf terrorists might be a group of them. That's one of the things I want to know. Let's waterboard this cat. Let's waterboard him, you know, and and get him to reveal any other members in his cell. Now, I don't believe in torture, but, you know, when you're dealing with white supremacists, you have to think like a white supremacist. If You know what I'm saying? So what's good for the goose, good for the gander. I may not use it against another opponent, but I know, you know, people like that, man. So what what are some of the questions you have? What what answers, what solutions do you have? Should non-white people create and maintain their own database? We just talked to Miss Sanders saying creating a database on these cops so that we can track them. And 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 again, that's constructive behavior to engage in politics through legislation if you want to go that route but at the same time we don't have to wait on them to give us permission to create our own databases of these crooked crooked cops we should be doing that we should be doing that local on a local grassroots level let's do intelligence work let's go down to the police department let's visit their website Let's find out the names of all the departments. Then let's see if they're posting the social media, if they're maintaining accounts. They belong to groups and what are they posting? You know, doing your surveillance work, counterintelligence work. This is a war, people, and people, again, do not recognize the fact that we live behind enemy lines. It's a war out there. Whether the race soldier is a police officer or the race soldier is, is a lone wolf white terrorist like this. This is a war zone and we are not, we're acting like we're, you know, safe in a safe zone or something. When the entire United States for black people is to be behind enemy lines. So should we be creating our own databases and tracking these terrorists, whether they be police officers, whether they be these individuals in our community? Because it appears that this this Facebook profile of Dylan Storm Ruff had a lot of black people who were, you know, we don't want to use the word friends the way Facebook uses friends. It doesn't mean they knew him. They might knew of him. doesn't mean they were hanging out with him. But they obviously, if they friends, they following the post, and they should have, did they alert anyone to this, to this uh, terrorist suspect? Because he was suspect at that time. Now he is a, a, a terrorist. He's, he's graduated. So again, 
in the interest of self-determination, yes, it is constructive for the one million black conscious voters to push for legislation and, 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 you know, that's constructive. But at the same time, don't just criticize if you don't believe that it'll work or they're wasting their time. You know, don't come with the negative energy, but instead say, well, let me get together with a group of people and do what they want to do, but we will maintain it as civilians. We'll have our own, just like the database killed by police. It's not that hard. It's just a simple spreadsheet. Then you can link to the Facebook profiles and, and take screenshots and stuff and, and have the evidence. This is the profile of a terrorist. People need to keep their eye on him. But again, you know, a lot of this stuff is preventable by the government. If they so choose, if they were so focused on stopping terrorism, but it's also incumbent upon us to provide for our own security. What role did corporate media play? Y'all think Bill O'Reilly and them, like, you know, they're saying that this person used a lot of drugs and was basically, uh, you know, just a drug addict. And I don't like to demean drug addicts, but, you know, people who, who deal in substance abuse are susceptible to media programming or susceptible to external programming you can manipulate them as of did somebody manipulate him and get him to go out here and do this does he belong to an organization was this in retaliation for the for the police former cop michael slager being arrested did this anger him did the media tell him that he's a white victim that all these black people are taking your women that you fantasize about and from the looks of you like you know you probably didn't have too much luck with the ladies to begin with so you project your failures on to black people because they're engaging in interracial relationships and it is really not that many so let's not hype that up but that was one of the things he said to one of the victims you're taking you're raping our women and you're uh, um, taking over our country. See, those are the key words that we keep see popping up online at these uh, Tea Party rallies and stuff, and people on Fox News and CNN and all of these racist dog whistles and projections. They want these people to, to, to act like they, they're responsible. They're just as responsible. President Obama knows this. He knows how media works. That's why he called out Fox News, but it ain't just Fox News. So people like that with weak minds or minds that have been weakened through the use of drugs and then they get into this white supremacy religion and worshiping white supremacists like this guy did. You know, wearing flags of, 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 I believe they say Rhodesia when, you know, he going back to colonial days. He fantasizing about King Leopold and, and people like that. Cut off a million African hands. Steal the rubber. So, I mean, obviously he had fantasies of white supremacy of the old, old days where black people were taking, you know, Unaware and unprepared to deal with, you know, gunpowder and, and guns. But see, now, you know, they got guns too and, and they can try to resist it as much as they can. And they do. 
But he was longer for them days, you know, apartheid South Africa. Yep, he was repping their flag. See, he the, he the opposite kind of white person than of the people that was associated with the United Freedom Front who was bombing allegedly corporate offices, military targets, and other places because of their support for South Africa to apartheid. But this guy, he's on the flip side. He worshipped that kind of white domination and, and he expressed it yesterday when he went in there like a coward and gunned down all those people. And just how some of us are just so, we let our guards down and we be trusting of the wrong people. Every white person should be suspected as a terrorist. Every white person. You should be watching them. That's not to say all white people are terrorists or all white people are white supremacists, but you should suspect them. And watching them closely and, and watching your interactions so that you can pick up on whether or not this person is a white supremacist or terrorist. So there are a lot of questions, but most of all, the question is, is what should black people be doing to provide for our secure community and, and making deterrence for future terrorist attacks? Because the police can't protect you, man. They can't. That's not their mission. That's what the uh, Supreme Court said. These are the people that's catching the same, you looking to the same people to protect you from racist white terrorists, civilians, that are the ones locking up your sons and daughters and grandchildren and killing fathers and no man this is something we got to do as our great ancestors have told us constantly throughout the years and given us many examples including Denmark VC even if that rebellion was not successful it, it sent a message he was willing, like Mark, like Robert L. Williams said, black people must be willing to die. They must be willing to kill if necessary. They must be willing to do whatever is necessary to secure their freedom. That includes having, having people standing out in the parking lot of that church looking out for suspects. And having rifles you know, sling over your arm on guard duty. It's simple guard duty. See, that's a deterrent right there by having armed people with rifles. See, then he come, oh man, they got them people armed. I better pick another target because, you know, this is, you know, no, they look for soft targets. So, you know, just some practical things to think about practical things to think about again if you have any questions or comments you can give us a call 530-881-1400 participant code 549032 pound hit star six and one to comment on air 480 welcome to black talk radio news go ahead with your question comment or observation um first of all i want to just say thank you for those family members of ours that were assassinated today. I, I, I'm just so emotional with that. I don't even know what to say about that. Time. I 
I don't even know what to say. I just feel so deep for him, and I know where it came from, and unfortunately, it was not a surprise. No, it shouldn't have been a surprise. Whew. Okay. Uh, I agree what you had to say, Brother Scotty, about self-defense. And it just brought up memories of the deacons for self-defense. A lot of our churches were founded off of the need to be unified and and defend our communities. It was a safe meeting place. for us to be able to uh, make tactical decisions and it needs to be that again. One thing I do, I have a lot to say about the Nation of Islam, but one good thing I have to say about them is they search everyone that comes into their their mosque. Yeah, fruit of Everybody Islam. Fruit of Islam. They have their security union and I did unit, but I thought about that you know, as I was pondering things, I was up all night, Sister Issa, too. I was up all night. I might have three hours sleep, you know. So I feel you when you say that it impacts you emotionally. You know, you're a human being. We're human beings. You know, there are, you know, we know who the beasts are. Okay. And, and so, but that's one of the things I talk about. See, you don't see this sort of thing happening around a nation of Islam mosque. Because they have always practiced self-defense, okay, and they have a, a security union, it, you're not mistake, called the Fruit of Islam, right? And, and That's right. But I noticed, like, if we look Male at those... Male and female, by the way. Uh, MGT is the women's division of the, uh, the, the um, security. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes. but they have been, these races have been attacking mosques, as we saw down there in, wasn't that Arizona where they surrounded it and, you know, white men and women with guns and, and obscene words on Two their t-shirts. Ago. Yeah, that, and, but that wasn't a nation of Islam mosque though. You know, yeah. that, that was a different one. So then something show, again, we have all these examples. For us, that's a great example. Nation of Islam provides its own security and recognizing the fact that we are surrounded by enemies. And so you don't leave your security to your enemy. And so we, we, therefore we see that there has been created a deterrent over the decades and that, that they are not seen as a soft target. So we don't see about, we don't hear about people running up in the Nation of Islam temple and shooting up a bunch of people like we saw yesterday. So that's, that's not to say anything bad about another person. Let's learn from that mistake. We need security for all our institutions. Exactly. Don't, you know, um, I know we're, with each day and each incident, I know, I can feel it, that we're really getting to the, to the edge, you know, like those coin machines that they play in the, in the, in the, in the stores and stuff where they got the edge of the coins and just one more coin's gonna drop the whole thing during the come down. And we have to be prepared. Preparedness is so keen. Stop being so comfortable and be very prepared. You know, they got us worrying about the bills. Forget them bills. Start start making your own things as in your own little sanctuary within your house and your home first, of course, 
and then connect with your neighbors that are that are like you. We've really got to just start talking to each other again and not just on Facebook, in these communities and on the street and in these churches because that's where the mass of our people are at. You know, if they're not talking about self-defense at a day like this, then they are completely comfortable or they have their own agenda and they feel like they're safe within their own thing because they got their, their little gun and their little their little uh, thing of food, so they're comfortable, you know. No, it's not just about you. And just like you said, Brother Scotty, we got to start thinking like these white supremacists. They are out here um, preparing. They are out here they are out here harvesting food and be and talking amongst themselves, holding meetings amongst themselves. Wednesday prayer night, take advantage of Wednesday prayer night. That is such a, a normal thing among us. Wednesday is like one of those those covenant days that people really our people really get together right. safely. I live right next door to a church, and they were out there on Wednesday night at the church. See? We got to start talking to each other about self-defense and preparedness. Here in Arizona, there's a lot of Mormons. These Mormons are out here. They got their own pantry. They they are teaching their, their women and their men how to can food in their church classes. They are really they're taking advantage of that meeting that they do every week. They're not just saying some scripture. We gotta live in the real world, people. This just makes me so angry. I'm just so angry and fed up. And I believe in self defense. I believe in self defense wholeheartedly. Protect your women. That young man came in there and said he's protecting his woman. That's his form of protecting his woman. Oh, uh, you know, he's like, hey, y'all raping my woman. I got to do this. You know, we got to protect our children and our women and our elderly. We have to. In the nation of Islam, they have the fruit of Islam, which is the men that are trained for self-defense. And they also have the MGT, which is Muslim Girls in Training and Civilization class. And they also are trained from 35 years old on down for self-defense. If you don't have it in your own community, go to the nation, gosh darn it, if that's what it takes to, to learn some self-defense. It's free. Gosh darn, you can get on YouTube and learn anything, gosh darn thing. I, I, Brother Scotty. And, and you know, it's, you could just feel something's going on it out here. Yeah, and, and and a lot of people are, you know, saying false flag, Rex eighty four, no. J Ham. But my thing is this: this is everyday living here. Exactly. This ain't no Jade Ham, no martial law, none of that. This is what we've been going through all this gosh darn time. It's the same thing. They always make up new words for the same gosh darn thing. It's terrorism right here, homegrown uh, white boy terrorism, Caucasian terrorism. And they flip up their words. That's why I hate the English language because it's such a manipulative language. And you can always warm your way out of something using that gosh darn twisted language. It is what it is. It's terrorism. Jade Helm. That's, that's in Caucasians that started that any gosh darn way. You tell the truth. 
They always come up with some conspiracy theory out here, Alex Jones and all them. They always doing everything but pointing a finger at their sales. Right, right. Right. It's you. It's you, Caucasian. You is you. You're the Jade Him. You are the martial law. It's you. We see you. We gotta start practicing self defense and preparedness. That's why I listen to this this program and the next one after it. Uh, uh, but uh, Fando Radio, because this is this is real reality we're dealing with, and that's that's all that's all I gotta say. All right, you hang in there, Sister Isa, too. I know you're strong, and, and you'll rebound. And um, we just got to keep, like you said, just talking amongst ourselves, not just on Facebook, but to the people we see in our community about this very important issue of, of self-defense. You know, I don't participate in um, organized religion, but if they need me when they are meeting on Sundays or on Wednesday nights for me to be standing out there, with my shotgun, you know, I live right next door to the church or, or my rifle or whatever, just so somebody see me that can provide a deterrent. So, you know, that's what we need to do, people. We need to wake up. Thank you, Sister Isa, too, for sharing. Thank you, Brother Scotty, for the opportunity. Okay, we have another caller. Uh, let's go to um, um, someone I think called in on the flash phone. You should have heard your mic unmuted. Please go ahead with your question, comment, or observation. Uh, greetings to you, Scotty, and um, greetings to the Black Talk Media family. Greetings this to you, Sarah. Sister Sarah. Um, um, the sister of did it just got off that was very emotional, and I could understand why she was getting emotional, but this is exactly what these Europeans, they want. They want to rattle you. They want to get you all emotional because when you get this way, you tend to be slapstick and not take focus. As she said, said in her commentary about where black people are um, on Wednesday nights it shows that you are being predictable when you are a predictable target as you learn in the military then you are a sitting duck because we, we, we leave ourselves open for any and everybody to walk in and to do things on us because they know on Wednesday night you can find on average more black people in a church on Wednesday night wasting time not doing anything productive because you see you see, all the time, you know, you sitting up there pouring through a book. And I know, Scott, you, you don't want to make fun of people's religion. But I'm just saying, you know, what is that book going to do to save you? You could, you could be running, taking your people to, um, to, to, the, to the gun ranges, telling them to have a martial arts self-defense class. You could have lots of things that you could be doing in that, um, on a Wednesday night instead of sitting up here pouring through a book. That when I'm looking on TV and I'm seeing all of these preachers that they have on t on television, that they must have had a Rolodex that they just dial them up and get as many black preachers as they could possibly get on on there. And I'm seeing them talking about, you know, like one of them in particular who was a member of this church where this massacre occurred, and he's going to say, okay, well we praying for this killer because we know that he got a soul and all this other foolishness. This is why people ridicule um religion and they ridicule black people in particular. Because we don't know what to do with religion. We take religion and we tie ourselves up in it. We make ourselves a slave to religion. Everybody else can use their religion to do something liberating for themselves, but we use it within which to bind ourselves or restrict ourselves in it. Now, if somebody just came into my home and slaughtered my family, do you think I'm getting out, I'm, I'm getting out here and saying, okay, I'm going to be praying for them? What kind of idiocy is this? It's program response, something that has been programmed into them. 
with with the images and and you know everybody isn't just able to work through that 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 virus that programming i mean it's common sense it's logic you know what when people talk about self-defense and why i thought sister isa too obviously has been emotionally impacted by this she still kept the focus on self-defense and that's mm-hmm. logical that's logical and if people again yesterday we talked about marriage and the tradition of marriage and why are people you know allowing a society based on tradition to dictate to you that you need a piece of paper to be considered in 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 a relationship with someone a life partner with someone but if Mm -hmm. people want to hold on to that wednesday night bible study well then if you're going to do that, at least have some people outside to provide security. There was no security. This kid just, this, this terrorist just walked in the door, sat there for an hour. No, you know, I don't know if they asked him who he was or anything like that. They didn't, Scotty. I'm I'm sure that they didn't because, you see, that's the problem with us. We know we have a problem with white supremacy and white people in particular. This young man, he from, he from, um, Lexington, South Carolina. I lived in South Carolina because I was stationed there at Fort Jackson, me and my husband. I know exactly where Lexington is because Fort Jackson is situated in Richland County and Lexington County, um, South Carolina is the next county over. I did basic training there at Fort Jackson on Tank Hill. So, so did, so did I. So it's right there. So if he's from Lexington and he drove all the way up to Charleston, South Carolina, which is over 200 uh, miles Mm -hmm. away, he, he, you know, he picked this, you know, he walked into this church. He had a backpack on him. He's a white boy. To me, um, Scotty, if I'm a, if, if I'm in a, in, a, in a church and I see some white person walk up in this church with a backpack, I'm gonna get uncomfortable. I'm gonna wonder well, what's what's going on here. You know, talk to him. They said he sat there for an, for an hour. This preacher felt comfortable enough to carry on a conversation. Let him sit through his say. Nobody thought about checking him or nothing. You see, that is the problem with us. Our sense of of security is not heightened. We if we don't have no sense of awareness of danger. About battlefield ourselves. awareness. It's called battlefield awareness. Exactly. We we we, we don't we don't have, we don't have no that heightened sense. You know, when white people come in here, walk into a building, a lot of people feel privileged. Oh, somebody white walking like you in a black establishment. Same thing with gentrification. You see somebody white coming in the neighborhood. Black people feel oh oh somebody white here. Then you know it's not so bad after all. You know, you look at that as a sense of empowerment instead of you looking at you being preyed upon. And that's the problem with this church. They sat up in this church, this white boy walked up in there, and nobody felt uncomfortable enough to ask them because, Scotty, I know me personally. That is why I don't do good due to a lot of things, a lot of these cultural awareness things, because I, I remember I told my husband um, one time, and that was the last time I went back. They had something going on up here in Dallas about two, three years ago. Professor Griff was here. And I was there, you know, at a cultural center, this African center, and these white people start walking in. And, I, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm looking around, I'm telling them, what the heck is going on? Because the first one walked in, this white boy with, with a Bob Marley shirt, and he walked and he sat up, he went and he sat right up at the front. He didn't go to the back, he went to the very first row and he sat down. Then I'm sitting up there and I saw a white woman walked up in, in, in there. You know, with a fake dreadlocks in her hair, and then she walked, and she sat up in the middle. And I'm just saying, man, this is all black people. You would never see you go into a white gathering if I'm the only person, and white people are gonna make you feel comfortable that you walk up in there, and you're gonna plop your behind down. Because first of all, they're gonna ask you if you think if you're in the right place. What are you doing here? They're gonna question you. We don't do that. 
Right. Somebody, see, they should have just had security for there. When he came in the door, somebody immediately questioned him. He's not a member of the church, obviously, you know. So what are you doing? Just basic questions. This happened to me one time when I was going to this little small church of God in Dallas, North Carolina. It's been years and years ago. Again, I don't participate in organized religion. But this white man came in. And we took him, me and I actually went to high school with the, uh, guy, um, cause his, he, he married into the church family, like, you know, his in-laws were like founded that church. And so we took him in the back. We took him in the back and asked him what his name was. We was checking him out and he was smelling like real, real bad. He was like smelling like mm. he had done used the bathroom on himself. You know what I'm saying? And, and, mm-hmm. and so we, you know, we, we escorted him out. We escorted him out. We told him, we didn't tell him he couldn't come back, but we was like, you know, you can't sit on these cloud sheets like that. You need to go home, whatever, and change. But the point is, is that we checked this dude when he came in the door. He didn't have no backpack or nothing else in his hands or anything. We could ascertain that this was a homeless white man. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 but somebody yeah. should have sat right next to him if they was going to allow him to sit down. Or first of all, if you got a backpack. Like Sister Isatu said that the uh, fruit of Islam does when you coming in the temple, I'm frisking you because mm-hmm. you a suspect. I know I know these black people because they're members of the church. I know that senator over there. I know the pastor. I know exactly. Sister So-and-so. Who are you? You you look suspicious. No, people let their guard down. We're going to be welcoming because Jesus would want us to welcome mm-hmm. them and, 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 you know, let them see Christ in us. And, again, I'm not making fun of any religion that I participated in for a big bulk of my life. I'm not making fun of it. Okay? So I'm not doing that. But I'm just saying is there are some things that are logical and there are some things that's illogical that do not have real world applications. And and angels are not surrounding these buildings to keep the evil out. No. Black men and women need to be surrounding these buildings with security to keep the evil out. I mean, this church actually is a representation of black resistance to white terrorism. Neat, you, 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 uh, mm-hmm. so Sarah, I know you know who Denmark VC is. He was yeah, a preacher. He, I, he I, was I a reverend. He was a Christian. I, I, and, and what I were they doing? I've been there when I did the Charleston store and mm-hmm. the Savannah tour, and I've been to several of these historic churches in, in that part of the, of the world and the significance that they have towards black history. So I know this particular church that I've been, that, that that they're that they're speaking of, and as you said, this is a state senator who was the pastor of this church. Now, if this white boy walking, as you said, with a with his backpack on, my first thing should have been that somebody should have checked him at the door. Well, what do you got in this backpack? Especially when you sat down there and he went into the backpack, you took nothing out. I need to know what you got in this bag, because I am not going to let you walk up into a church and you got a political, you know, leader. Say, senator up in here, and nobody in checking this dude out. You know what's the problem with us as a people? You know we we are so lackadaisical when it comes to our surroundings and our security. It makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. It, it doesn't. And we have seen throughout our history that you know we have always provided for our security. I think that the media programming, the elevation of Dr. King and the nonviolence and misrepresentation mm-hmm. of his legacy. Now we got two, three generations of pacifist white, uh, black folks who are going to now, uh, uh, as to be expected, the CEO 
of America, of the United States, is uh, talking about some gun control. No, what we, the only gun control black people need is we need to control more guns. That's the only gun control yep. we need, okay? And they're going to try to use that, the Democrats, Hillary Clinton, all of them. They're going to try to use that and get black folks to, to you know. Yeah, to uh, to, to, yeah, to help them with that legislation. And you better believe these white supremacists and white people um, are not giving up their guns. So if you want to talk about starting a war, see, them people serious. They know what it takes to maintain their dominance, we don't even know what it what it takes to maintain our freedom where well, we have known, but that knowledge has been stripped from us. And it is up to us, Sister Sarah, to educate these young people and, and as much as we can deprogram these people who have been programmed to to leave their security to either a, a, a deity in, in, in the clouds, in the sky, in heaven or to your enemy uh, police soldiers. I agree, Scotty, because not 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 only that, um, Scotty, with the um, the security, because right here in Texas, a few days ago, this governor Abbott he signed a bill into law stating that um, basically a guns everywhere. Because Georgia did the same thing in Georgia, where you can go into a church, a bar, restaurant, you name it, as long as they don't have a sign posted that you could come in here with a loaded weapon. You can go up in there with your weapon. They did the same thing here out here in Texas on college campuses. You name it, you can do it. Certain schools, like certain religious schools, they can opt out of that if they want to. But it's pretty much guns everywhere. Wherever you want to go and you take a gun, you can take a gun there with you. So that is what these people are doing out here. They are loading themselves up. Black people are the only ones running around here trying to unarm themselves, going into gun buyback programs and doing all of these things. And the reason that I'm saying that you would have to check this man out and see, because if you say with the gun control laws and with the Democrats, if he was sitting on a committee that had to do anything with gun control laws or abortion rights, restrictive abortion rights, that could be one of the reasons to why he was targeted, why the particular church and this person was targeted and these other eight people by default, they got caught up in it. Mm. Because they'd have to pull his legislative records to see what did he recently vote on? Did he vote on any gun control laws? like whether or not to restrict it or whatever, or did he vote in any laws concerning abortion? Because that's what sends these people off, white people. Abortion and gun laws, it sends them off. A good observation, good point. Um, just all things, variables that should be considered in trying to determine why this particular building was targeted. Was it because of this senator, this state senator being in there? Was there some kind of historical significance? Again, um, you know, we are just now on, uh, what, 24 hours, not even 24 hours after this heinous mm-hmm. terrorist attack. So there's a lot of intelligence that yet we need to gather to make our uh, final determinations. Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for sharing with us. You're welcome, Scotty. You have a good day, ma'am. You too. All right. We'll take one last call. I do want to uh, do share this. Uh, remember this? The SCLC suspends Georgia chapter president after violence comments. Okay, do y'all do y'all remember when um the uh Southern Christian let me see, Reverend Samuel Mustetler, okay, he is the Georgia SCLC uh chapter president. SCLC was founded by Dr. Martin Luther King, right? And what did he say? He said that black people are gonna have to use the Second Amendment to protect themselves, to defend themselves. Okay?
So let me see if I can find this exact. Oh, oh this is what he said. Um, during the event Tuesday in Atlanta, this was in April. Mustetler said African Americans should advocate their Second Amendment rights following several high profile deaths of unarmed black men in police involved shootings. Let the rest of America know we are not going to be victimized by just anybody, whether it be by police or folks who decide that black people are thugs and we need to control that black community. Mustetler added. So there, and what did the system do? What did the system do? Uh, suspend him for speaking logic for speaking logically and remember Dr. King had guns too and he allowed the Deacons for Defense to to provide security on his last march called the March Gear so you know again we cannot allow these white people to practice deception through media and 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 tell us lies about this or that person all right this is the last caller of the day uh tando radio show will be coming on at six o'clock p.m let's take this uh caller uh think oh this is my brother sharif what's going on brother sharif you got the last comments of the day bro hey what's going on brother um just coming in at the end so i hope i don't uh repeat anything that uh, you and the sister was talking about, but I caught the tail end where you were um, hitting the nail on the head about, you know, these places need to have security, and I know um, me being, it's not a theology conversation, right. but it's tied in. Um, me being a Muslim, I would invite people to the mosque and come to the mosque, and people would look at us so, um, I don't know, so crazy or be somewhat offended when we used to check, when we checked them, you know, coming in. But this is the reason now it's looking like common sense. I've had conversations today with Christian people, and they said, man, this it looks more common sense for y'all, for us to incorporate this in our places of worship, because people should not be able to just freely walk around, especially people we don't know, without, you know, being checked. So I just wanted to make that comment. I hope all places, you know, worship, especially where we uh, worship, you know, uh, you know, take on and be, you know, be more aware of the surroundings. Sisters shouldn't be walking back to their cars by themselves. Children right. shouldn't be by themselves. We have to wake the hell up. These people are, are not planning for them to come up in there like that. And it's some other nut out there waiting to do the same thing. I think someone just shot at a church in Memphis, Tennessee about two, three hours ago. I don't know if you heard about that or not. No, I hadn't heard about that one. Yeah, it's in Memphis, Tennessee, I believe. Someone sent me a message. Someone shot at a church just today. So, you know, there's some other nuts out there where they see that people aren't being diligent and they're not being aware. They're going to try. They're going to try the same thing. You just cannot let people, especially strange people, walk around in your building without checking them. And if you don't have nothing on you and you're you're not there to harm anyone, why would that offend you? We check everyone, the members and it's and, and guests coming in. And on Malcolm's last day, he didn't do the security check. And that's how them people got in there with those weapons, because Malcolm didn't do the security check. You gotta Man, check It's about to come on air. I'm actually trying to prepare to transition to that uh program. I wanna thank everyone who called in. I wanna thank our guest Miss Sanders for checking us out. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry for coming and sharing with us. Um, I don't have the website up in front of me right now, but it is on posted on our page. I'll share it on Facebook. Uh, once again, uh, please, um, 
visit their website about that legislation. I want to thank her for sharing the information. Thank the callers again. Recognize the fact that we live behind enemy lines, that we are in, on a battlefield. This is Battlefield America. This has been going on for hundreds of years, and our people have always responded to it logically, okay? They they did not engage in the stuff talking about, again, not picking at people because we have to recognize that they've been victimized and, and psychologically as well. And, and so, you know, leaving our security up to a spiritual de- deity, a spirit or angel or something like that, come on, that's not logical. It's not logical, and that is not what people, uh, even other Christians have practiced in this country in protecting themselves and their communities against white terrorism. So just start using common sense, develop battlefield awareness. I keep talking about it every day on this program. I've been saying it battlefield awareness where you're paying attention to your surroundings you know what i'm saying you're never caught off guard all right so maybe he would have got a couple of shots off but that would be it and, and could have saved some lives he, he shouldn't never got in there in the first place but tw- hindsight's 2020 i don't want to blame any victims so anyway close it out with some robert f williams meeting violence with violence peace and blessings to all this is monroe north carolina The town where local NAACP president Robert Williams created headlines when he said, Sometimes violence must be met with violence. Many asked why. You know, we do whatever we do to survive. Drop it! Some of the people who have thought that it would be better to settle these cases violently. Uh, I have been able to uh, persuade them that we should use the courts and go into the courts. So this thing had, uh, had boomerang. And uh, I was being uh, held responsible for having brought these cases to court. There was a trial where a Negro maid had been kicked down a flight of stairs uh, by a white man. And that uh, this man hadn't even bothered to come to his own trial. And that he had, uh, he had also, uh, been, uh, acquitted. And, uh, there was a demonstration as a result of this in, uh, the courtroom by the Negro women of the community. And, uh, they had approached me and, uh, had said, well, you said that you would see that these people would be punished because, uh, through the organization we would have competent counsel. And uh, that if it hadn't been for you, that these people would have been punished. And uh, they wanted to know what I would recommend that they do from then on. And so I recommended that that they meet violence with violence, that uh, Negroes must be prepared to repulse attack, that they must be willing to fight, that they must be willing to die and to kill if necessary, that uh, there was no law or no 14th Amendment uh, to the United States Constitution of equal protection in the South, and that therefore they didn't have any deterrent, so they would have to create the, the deterrent force themselves by meeting violence with violence. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.